Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Warfare in Conversation. With these conversations, I hope we will uncover the truths, the beauty and the curiosities that lie within fashion and beyond. I'll be speaking with ordinary people doing extraordinary things. My name is Olga and I am the founder at Warfare, a clothing platform built by creatives for creatives with social and environmental responsibility at its core. For today's episode, I would like you to meet Chi, a young designer who runs a sustainable fashion company out of Los Angeles called Chi QC. He turns vintage clothing into new pieces, calling them born-again garments. He hopes to show that by being eco-friendly and sweatshop-free is not a big brand thing, but rather an every brand thing. He doesn't believe this should be done for public brownie points either, but a sincere love for the planet and people made in the image of God. Although design is his field, his main focus is spreading the love of Jesus through artistry, knowledge, and honesty. Oh, well, thank you. That was an awesome introduction. That was, <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love all those things. I actually didn't even know you were a PhD student studying sustainable like fashion or yeah <laughs> that is oh, my yeah. full-time day cool. job <laughs> you know that that was a phd that you could get that nowadays it is yep it is no, i mean great. it makes sense it makes sense because your site is really cool and like the products I, i've been through your website and stuff too it's really dope but yeah oh um, introduction i mean i that's i mean that's perfect introduction yeah. and before we sort of dive in into the conversation I do want to make sort of a tradition for this podcast um, where I would like to involve every guest in thinking about what would make this conversation a win for you. So if you were to look back in, let's say, six months from now, why would you be glad that you have done this? What would make it a win? What would make it um, worthwhile for you? in the future um i think just spreading the word you know there's there's a lot of clothing brands that exist for i mean there's a lot of art projects that exist for very personal or even selfish reasons as in maybe i just want to be famous or i just want to be known which um is a huge drive for people nowadays but this brand is mainly for jesus and you know spreading the love of god uh, through design, poetry, film, um, sculptures. There's, there's a lot of stuff I do. I even do like programming and coding and stuff. So like I want to incorporate that into the brand down the line. But you know, one thing at a time, I'm, I'm getting that down the fashion part, which is very complicated. But you know, I mean, if it's just to show someone that, you know, God has, has his hand in everything and that God is very tasteful, God is a designer, and that you can praise God in all types of ways, especially in art and artistry. So yeah, just spreading that is what makes me glad I do things like this. I mean, even just talking to one person, um, I have the same impression. I love it. Well, I would hope for the same then. Exactly mirror your words <laughs> for today's conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, to begin with, I guess it's always really nice to get to know the person we're chatting to and understand where they come from, where what's their background and what's driven them to where they are today. What was the process and the journey like? So if you can, in a sort of very summarized way, introduce us to your world and how um, what happened and what shaped you to get to where you are today. Man, well, I'm from North, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the East Coast. It's about 2,400 miles away from LA. You know, that's all the way on the other coast. Uh, right now, I'm in LA, Los Angeles, California. I moved here in 2018. So I, I, I have my entire childhood and like, honestly, all of my teenage years up until the time I was 20 uh, was spent out there in Ohio for like two years when I was a boy, like before I was, I was like, four to six years old I was in Ohio but other than that I grew up in Charlotte and I got to travel enough to know that there's more places in Charlotte but visiting LA was definitely an eye-opener when I came to stay with my uncle for about a month in 2016 and just seeing how big the city was it was like a little scary but 
challenging in a way that I liked. So, you know, it definitely challenged me to think bigger for a lot of my projects once I went back home. Um, that was the year I graduated high school. And that just, I feel like that just had a cascading effect on me, uh, along with the reasons that I started the company, because I was always very artistic, younger, at a moment where I wasn't because of a lot of life things. And so once I developed that back again, I just never wanted to let that go. And I wanted to be honest to what I na I was naturally inclined to. And it's not even just artistry, like very, very logical thinker, critical thinker. So I enjoy things like computer science and programming, robotics, um, fashion design, pattern making, film editing, team management, you know, just stuff like that. So I, I find that it's very useful in running a company and in the fun side and the sometimes boring side, you know, like accounting, taxes, just anything you can file pretty much. And I just, over the years, I just worked on projects I love, projects that I also needed to pay the bills. And, you know, that just developed me into the artist and business person I am today. Yeah. By the grace of God, honestly, a lot of people helped me along the way. So, you know, can't mention, can't mention all that without saying that, you know, you can't do it alone. Yeah, no, I always think of the fact that God places people that he wants us to meet and that will sort of navigate us and shift us into the places we should be um, and into the roles that um, we should be taking. That's my kind of um, impression anyway in my life, personally. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder, you mentioned, you know, a lot of changes in your life. And I do wonder if you have any previous fashion background and how have you sort of arrived at fashion and the industry itself? Yeah, it was like I had a group of friends I hung out with in high school. We would just like be into all the trends. We'd be like kind of having competitions of who's who's dressed the best today. And I didn't actually have a lot of clothes. You know, my um, my family didn't have a lot of money at the time, so I didn't really have a lot of clothes. So I would have to use the clothing, the clothing I had in a different way. So at a certain time, I just started like bleaching stuff, you know, or just layering, putting like this on top of that. Also, the the flannel around the waist was really popular. So you like like Chris Brown was like tying like the shirts around the waist. Like it was like a dancer thing. We was doing that for a bit. I was trading shoes, and I think that really that really got me into thinking about outfits and styling. And then one day, um, which was very significant, it was February eleventh, twenty fourteen. That's when CQC was like first conceived, and I had it. I I was like. For the first time ever, I actually started drawing fashion clothes in us, like Spanish class. And I came up with a name and literally, it was literally supposed to be a joke. In my mind, I was like, oh, I don't want to do the warm up. I'm just going to make this fake brand. We'll call it like CQC. And it just is stuck. I, 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 I liked designing, but I was like, ah, I think I'm going to change the name. But the name just stuck. So I kept it, kept going since then. Then I got into other things but I took a class in high school on sewing and it was very easy I was always done with my projects early it was a very beginner class but that was the only formal class I actually had in fashion I never took like a pattern design class or anything like that which obviously would have helped but I've learned them just in necessity because you know I need need that kind of those kind of skills for projects so I just learned those over the years but there was a gap in between that 2014 period and 2019 of me doing sound design and filmmaking where I actually didn't do any fashion design. I just, because the fashion design got me interested in sound design and they, that got me interested in filmmaking. Then I moved to LA and decided to kind of take a break. And then once I started up the company, I was able to present a fully packaged project because I had all of those talents. Okay. Can I circle back to the name? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah you didn't mention that it came out of you drawing on your Spanish class and then that just popped into your head can you tell us what it stands for um well she being me and then QC being my hometown so I already had the chi part down and then I was like how can I finish this name because I was like it needs to be longer for a brand name and so QC, Charlotte is called the Queen City, kind of like New York is called the Big Apple in mm -hmm. a way, or Los Angeles is the City of Angels. And if and so instead of we don't, we don't all say Queen City, we'll just say like QC, 
like oh yeah i'm coming back to the qc all like type of stuff like that so i just put that inside the name and so it's me and then my hometown but it just sounds really nice so i just kept it and yeah it was literally like i it was just random like it, it wasn't like at least there's like a, a place that the words came from but yeah, it was just off the whim. It was very random and yeah. Fascinating. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, I love that. And it does sound great. So it works. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, again, you mentioned quite a lot of different projects you were involved in, sort mm. of as you were building your brand. I guess maybe it was never really like a clear decision, okay, from today I'm building this brand, but rather, you know touching on a different um, different projects and learning from them and taking things forward. Could you tell us about maybe a highlight project that you've done um, that, I don't know, had some sort of a turning point for you or, um, mm. yeah, changed the way you definitely your life? Definitely. So, so that moment I just described was my sophomore year in high school and my junior year in high school when I was doing sound design, I was using Fruity Loops, FL Studios, like 11, I think was the the uh, the software. And there was this after school program in Charlotte. There's not a lot of them, but I happened to get into it. I applied super late at night and then got in. And so there's di different levels. There's like a music level. It's like a three-story building. And we had like a teacher and there was like a fashion class, a film class, a dance class. And I think I was just chilling, you know, because you can walk around. So I walked into like the film one, saw what they was painting, so and walked to the film one, just sat in in the back and they were doing introductions like, okay, we're going to do some pitches. I just like walked in at a time where they were like, hey, we're going to pick someone's idea and whoever's idea is good. We're going to, the class is going to focus on that and film it. Like that was, and I wasn't even in that class, but I walked in because I'm just nosy. I'm like, oh, like, what are they talking about here? And so they're like, yeah, so think about your film ideas and then we'll pitch them later. And I'm not in the class, but I'm like, oh, I can, I can come up with an idea. And so I literally came up with an idea about it, making a short film about a child that used to be an artist. And, you know, then he became a politician and made art illegal in the whole city. And so the film was like, what if art becomes illegal and what that looks like? And it, it was a really cool concept. And I pitched it to them and I won. So I, I like literally got my whole idea produced by the entire studio. And everyone in like the film class had was like my crew and I was the director of, wow. of the whole project. So and but I was still in the music department. And so I actually scored the film when I um when I did that, but I wrote it, uh, directed it. And it was very challenging because I had never been in charge of a team before. And it honestly, it's, it's actually in my bio, my on my website, because I realized not only was it hard, but I'm. I was not a good director you know it was like this is challenging like I was I was passable mm -hmm. but I knew that I didn't know the type of things I wanted to know and that I had a lot more growing to do as a leader and so that really made me think a lot more about my projects and what type of skills I need to hone you know aside from getting work done like how does someone effectively manage a team and communicate properly so that yeah everyone feels appreciated and heard or seen but you know, ideas can be shared respectfully, you know, not every idea is going to be accepted. So how do we focus on the ones that are without excluding the people that are not having their ideas met, but still their help is needed and um, it matters. So, and just a lot of stuff like that and also just organization. And so that was a definitely a, a changing point in my perspective on artistry and how I wanted to run things. Interesting. I mean, from my understanding, from speaking with creatives, whether it's fashion designers or any other creatives who are trying to really create a business out of their passion, ideas, talents, that's probably the one thing they struggle with the most is how do you combine the business skills with their creativity and, and, and their, you know, as an outlet for whatever they're doing. Um, so yeah, kudos to you for being able to manage it all. <laughs> It, it was a blessing, honestly. It was super fun. Um, yeah, it was one of the funnest things I did during that time. Really fun. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, again, going back to this idea that, you know, it's a process rather than you wake up and something kind of just happens. And I think that's important just as a business lesson itself. 
You know, I always, I, I have read um, sort of quotes on there is no overnight success. It's like a 10 year thing that happens overnight. And then it could feel like an overnight success, but it yeah. <laughs> it's not true. It's not realistic. Um, yeah. You did mention that you are sort of thrifty and maybe today's world sustainable because of scarcity um, mm. when you were sort of growing up. So I wonder where that element of your fashion brand comes from, because obviously your garments are all made from sort of upcycled collections and there's a sustainability sort of thread going all across your business. Um, mm. So yeah, you why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing in terms of sustainability, um, you know, at your at your brand? Definitely. Um, yeah. So I I was first designing with new fabrics, um, and before I started collection, I had upcycled already for a project I did for this university out here for a fashion show. They asked me to be a part of. I made a kimono out of shirts I got from Goodwill, but. When I was thinking about collections, that wasn't my first idea. I was still thinking of using virgin fabrics, but still organic and sustainable. But it ended up being very expensive for my budget. Like I, I bought four yards of cotton to make samples and it cost me $95. And I was just not with it. So I was like, I gotta, this is not financially sustainable, you know, just for me at that, at that point. And even at this point, like not spending that much on four yards of cotton, but I ended up trying all these different things. I was like, okay, I can use cheaper fabric. I use muslin. I was very new. I didn't even know that people use muslin to make samples. I just, I was just buying the final fabric and making samples out of that. Like just very, very oblivious of processes that I am aware of now. So I went to Goodwill and bought some shirts and I was like, this is cheap enough for me to make samples out of like this fabric. Mm -hmm. So I made a pair of shorts and I ended up making the collection just a better version of those shorts, just graded from XL to um, XS to XL, uh, simply because of budget, honestly, and um, availability because the fabric I wanted had to be imported. And so it was a very high minimum. It was a certain type of linen. I really wanted to use linen and cotton, especially linen. I just really like linen, but um, I definitely had more flexibility thrifting and using those items because the price was very low. You know, I can get a huge, I mean, a huge shirt costs as much as a small shirt. So, you know, just buy the huge one and you have more fabric. And you also, one thing is really cool. I was, when I was, that story I just told about the film production, when I was actually in the music class, my music teacher there, he would always say that, you know, it's always good to have um, some constraint. And one of the things about maturing guys, like a musician is knowing when to stop because, you know, you can put in all these cool sounds, but at the end of the day, simplicity and space is really where um, you find like professionals operate the best. You know, they know when to stop, they know what to do. And also having too many options can be, can actually be limiting your creativity. So having a limited source of where I could get things like, okay, I'm not finding the colors I want, but I find things close to what I want. And so I have to work with that. It helps me make things that I didn't even predict and that I, I mean, I always like to make things that are impressive to me. And so it takes a long time for me to do that. So I have to operate at my highest capacity, but it always comes out best in the end. And I'm always proud of, you know, the collections, but yeah, a lot of necessity came out of it, budget, preference. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love, love, love your collections and your approach and your creativity and sort of like a unique twist because I do notice a pattern in terms of how you make the garments, even though they're all unique and different and made of, you know, scraps that are combined in a very um, different way. But then there's a commonality across, which I love. And there is a, a clear sort of proposition from you as a designer and um, a creator. So I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's just all I have to say there. Um, in terms of the the startup sort of um timeline it is i can i can definitely um second the thought of everything is super expensive when it comes to anything that is more sustainable in terms of is it 
um, organic? Is it made in a um, socially responsible way? Um, is there certifications? Is it traceable, et cetera, et cetera? And um, using you know, linen, organic cotton for a, for a brand that is just starting up, it's almost, it's a huge barrier to overcome. Um, financial barrier for sure and um i think i don't know if you've also inquired that but in the uk there is also large minimum order quantities when it comes to um working with fabrics and i feel like dead stock is the answer for small uh, fashion brands to be more sustainable but then also to be viably financially sustainable um, is that how is that how you approach uh wherefore um, it sort of is where I'm navigating uh, towards because I, I actually did um, start off with God Certified Cotton um, as my first sort of, yeah, the first two, three collections that I've launched were with um, using that material and it worked really well. But like I said, there is this idea of demand and supply in terms of can we predict how much demand there will be and we don't want to produce anything that um, people are not going to want um, and then there is also the minimum order quantities which I find really high for a small brands so it's it's sort of like a trade-off I mean life is a big one trade-off but it, it this is definitely a big barrier I, I feel like and um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really looking into options in terms of that stock and how can we utilize what's already there um, again, trade-offs in terms of traceability, like I don't really know where these items were made and by who, but at the same time, they are waste and, you know, at least we can use up what's not used and loved and make it into something that's of value. Mm. Um, so in that way, it's definitely aligned with what I want to do in the future. Um, and on that, I do want to pick your brain a little bit in terms of how you find um, your fabrics. Well, fabrics, let's say the the dead to the dead stock, um, that you then turn into these these pieces of art, really. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, is it is it difficult? How what is your process? Uh, there's definitely been some plugs I've found over the, over the years. You know, people that find clothing, especially shopping, because as a citizen. You know, you can go to Goodwill or different places. If you have a sales permit, you can go to other places, you know, because you have a business license to shop there. But also it's just a matter of knowing where places are at. Like I have a friend named Soren. He runs a place called Chance Vintage. And some um, I've known him since I moved out here. It's um like a vintage well, a vintage store. He sells stuff. He also reworks stuff. He's one of the first people I ever met that I saw rework clothing done by. He's like, oh, I turned this shirt into a skirt, you know, type of thing. And yeah, he put me on to um, a couple of places like a warehouse and that helped me finish my first collection, the shorts, the born again collection. Outside of that, I probably wouldn't be able to finish it. That was just a blessing. It was something I prayed for because um, all the Goodwills were shutting down. It was COVID and mm -hmm. I had to make about eight more shorts to finish the collection and I needed the shirts for it because they were all thematic. So they were all based around a certain theme, each uh, pair of shorts. And so he brought me to this warehouse, he uses to stock up his store. And I just, I spent like a couple hundred dollars. I was able to complete, it was like 12 trip, 12 trips to Goodwill was like satisfied in that one trip to that warehouse, just because everything's curated. And so it does matter where you go. And there's a lot of pl other places I found that um, can save me time in that way. And the price is a bit more steep, but it's worth the time you save, especially if you're making money off your stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but aside from location, I'll say just basic thrifting stuff when I'm just looking for fabric. If I, I just want a fabric, I don't need a design on it, which is more what I do now because I'd rather put the design on. Mm -hmm. I just feel I just feel the weight of it. Like I won't because you get you get it's so much just looking through all these racks of clothes. If you just feel the weight of it, like if I don't agree with the texture or the weight of the fabric, I'm not even gonna look at it because it's if it feels cheap, then I have no business you know, cutting it up or pulling it. So if the sweater doesn't feel heavy or like a 10, 12 ounce cotton, then I'm just going to feel the next sleeve. And I don't have to, you know, have my arms like this <laughs> for like an hour or two. I'm, I'm just feeling the sleeves or just the bottom of the shirt, the hem. And so that's like the most pro tip I give everyone. Like 
if you don't like how it feels, don't even look at it. Just, just, just feel, just feel throughout the racks. And if you like how the shirt feels or whatever, then look at it and see if you like it. You know, you save yourself a lot of time um, doing that. And yeah, I would. Yeah. And then obviously you can go online and buy stuff, you know, you just find like Grailed, Depop, mm-hmm. uh, those different websites. You can find people reselling things. I have friends that do that. I personally never went online and bought something to upcycle it. I just went in the area. But um, if I had a need to, I would. You know, it's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. You lose yeah. the touch element. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if it's like vintage Carhartt, it's like you already, you already know it's, it feels mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Nice. And uh, how long does it take for you to make a garment then? Is there uh, yeah, a of time? So the shorts, the shorts take me about a minimum of two days to make, maybe two and a half days, honestly, depending on the complexity, because sometimes I have to design a pattern just for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And the love of God pieces, they take me six hours to cut and sew. And that, but that's not considering time of washing and finding them. So you could say about like maybe seven, seven and a half hours for each love of God hoodie and -hmm. sweater. The love of God shirts, they take me about an hour um, and a half to sew up. So with everything else calculated, it takes me about two and a half hours per love of God shirt. And um, so I've actually been focused on those a lot more because it takes a lot of time. And, you know, the business has to, it needs attention in other areas. So I'm actually, I've been learning more about manufacturing the past year because I don't want to keep making everything because mm-hmm. I can't really keep up with demand in the way that I'm planning to, in the way that it exists, because I'm, I'm in a store right now. I was in a store, I was in another store last year out in South Korea. And, you know, I've been learning more about marketing and where I want to put my clothes out in showrooms with different stylists. And I just don't have the time to sit down and make like 30 pieces or, you know, if I get an order for like 50 items then I'm just down for the whole month and I'm doing nothing but sewing. Like I'm not, I can't market. I can't do this. So I need to, I'm right now I'm just finding more solutions to that. And I found a lot of them actually. So I'll be applying that, that knowledge this year. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really interesting. I feel like the challenge with any, um, any type of business that requires you almost your, your sort of time to create a product um maybe more artisanal it feels like the scalability of it is generally the biggest challenge and how can you transfer that uniqueness and that individuality to you know at scale Mm -hmm. so yeah very curious to to see how you do (laughs) yeah very challenging but it it has to be done you know because i i mean i want to i want to have a family i want to get married i want to have time Mm. you know and so with all the things that I will need to do down the line and that the company will become, um, it's just something, it just has to get solved. So I'm like, it's something that was on my heart last year, really heavy. I think I should, I think I should figure out how to manufacture, you know, it felt like, I felt like the time was now to learn how to do that um, because it was getting to that point. And so I know when the Lord is telling me stuff. So, and he's been allowing me to meet people that may just cut a lot of time for me and, you know, very grateful for people like that as well. Amazing. No, that's that's positive. Um, I guess we can sort of zoom out a little bit because I'd love to touch on the sustainability front, but maybe from a sort of either an LA perspective or just the US perspective, generally speaking, and to get your understanding of how, what are the behaviors like from the consumers? You know, why are they really engaging with you is it because you're more sustainable or or do you reckon it's it's something else yeah some people find interest because it's sustainable i don't think anyone has i don't think that's this one thing i've learned because i i was marketing very heavily in areas that were not specifically buying points but they support the buying points like sustainability yeah there's people that will buy because it's sustainable but people naturally buy because it looks it looks good and so I mean I buy because I like how it looks and then I'm like but is it sustainable you know that's more like the second question behind it but first it's like do I even what I even wear this and so yeah there's people that they like it they come up 
And then they're like, oh, but it's like this expensive. And so I, I had to find like my clientele and where my clientele is at because it, was, it wasn't always profitable for me to go to pop-ups and stuff because I don't have like $20, 40 even like $60 pieces. My All my pieces are like $1 to $500. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's cool. It's cool making things like that, but it is definitely a different approach to sales and marketing. Um, but I mean, there's perfectly good things that exist in lower price ranges, but there it's like, I'm depending on for the majority of America, I'm outside of the impulse buy range for mm-hmm. a brand that they've never heard before. If it's Nike, yeah, they might randomly spend 200 cause they want these Pegasus running shoes, but I'm, I'm still educating people on it in LA, but LA is honestly the, probably the best place in the country to, to do it at. Because there's so many brands that are reworking clothing and that are sustainable, that it's not as much of a challenge as if I was like, like in Tennessee mm. or you know or something like that. Even Texas, Texas is really is really good. They have a really big um, vintage uh, market and community out there. So mm. L.A., Texas, and I mean New York. New York is everything, honestly. So mm. those places for sure. Okay, interesting. I mean. Um... In, in I'm based in Scotland and it seems mm. like people like to say one thing and they say that they they like to say that they behave in a certain way but actually they don't so the behavior doesn't really or the attitude which to me personally is a challenge as a brand who really wants to focus on social and environmental responsibility and um, really sort of putting forward the people who are making the clothes and the materials that are made of and and justifying the higher price still a lot of work to be done in that area and as 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 challenging as it is it also is really interesting and fun to see how people navigate um and and engage with brands like 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 that mm. yeah, it's 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 interesting um I mean, you've already sort of mentioned a lot and dropped hints in there um, about, yeah, the role of God in your life and also in your business, in your brand. Um, and I, I mean, when I was sort of looking through your website, um, I, I love the little drops of goodness, <laughs> you could say, and godness. I don't even know if that's a word. But the child, like the idea of the childlike collection and my personal um, favorite, and it's one thing that I want to really, that I really try to embrace in my life is this idea to returning to being children because we are children of God. So, and then the other messages of your, you know, you're incorporating these messages into your design. So you've mentioned the of God garments and all this, this, these ideas. And I wonder if you can ex- expand on um on this a little more um, in terms of, yes, your motivation, but also how is that um, accepted by your consumers and audiences? And, um, you know, I just wonder from both both sides, how, how is that um, working for you? Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had any real pushback about, you know, my use of Jesus and my faith and the company i think in general people do believe that god exists but they have a lot of questions about who god is and how god uh has a relationship with humans you know so i I think it's an it's an interest that a lot of people have naturally and even even if they may be offended in how it was presented to them when they were younger they still have an innate interest in the existence of god and who he is and so um yeah, and I, I just love the word. And so I like to incorporate that into the brand. And God is actually the one who is behind the brand. You know, when I received the the whole brand thing back in February 11, 2014, that was in a very, like the lowest point of my life where I just didn't see my life going anywhere. I didn't know what I was going to do when I left school. And um, yeah, it was something that God gave me. And it was something I prayed about because I enjoyed it so much and he confirmed that it was something I should keep on doing. And I'll just, I'll just put it that way for the sake of brevity, but it was eye opening. It was the first time I ever prayed to God. And it was the first time he answered me, you know, because I, I just felt so much joy and I told him I wanted to do this for him. And 
you know, I wanted him to teach me, you know, what I'm doing and just how to live my life and be a man and all, all those types of things. And I prayed for the success of the company and yeah, he said he would give it to me, but not knowing that what would it will, it will require out of me and having that are things that he taught me over the years and that I'm still learning to this day. And so, you know, it's, it's not being given for no cause, you know, he's building up in me a believer just as he's building up in anyone else that's a believer because, you know, it would not only would it destroy me, but it wouldn't be a fair representation of him if I were not to actually know him. So yeah, it's been received obviously more fervently from believers, but even people that are not believers, they still relate to it because, you know, everyone does think of God in a way of either I should know God more, who is God, all these questions. So I like to explore the questions through the brand and the childlike collection was definitely something that it I, you know the funny thing is it actually never came out i was just by everything i've sold were just samples from the collection and mm -hmm. the reason that i never actually like launched the collection was because i wasn't able to do it at the capacity that i wanted to at the time i was in the middle of a lot of projects and a lot of changes and i just had to pause it and so it's gonna i'm just gonna have to reintroduce it at a in a different way because right now i'm working on a collection called sunsets which is set up around like a poem i wrote about how the things that god made are beautiful and should be left alone and exactly like everything is exactly how it's supposed to be without human aid mm -hmm. and but the childlike collection was definitely an expression of the core of qqc and so it'll have it's something that will return in a greater way down the line but the shirt still exists the design still exists it's just that the collection never fully came to light but um i mean i still sold like a ton of shirts last year so just people walk around with like childlike shirts and love God <laughs> but i never dropped like the official collection and um that was definitely hard because i was like man i never like promoted a collection and then like never dropped it but it, it just wasn't the right it just wasn't the right time so i couldn't i didn't want to half do it or anything like i wanted to do it the way that i want I can, I see it being done, but yeah, it's a very important concept. It's very close to my heart. Um, you know, Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And the only other thing he said, spoke of it in that weight was being born again. He said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's only two old, two things that hold like that type of statement where unless you are this, you cannot see God, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And it's being like a child and being born again. And so it's very, it's glossed over, um, not in like an irreverent way, but I think it's just overlooked when it has a lot of weight to it, what it is to be a child and to be humble, to enjoy life. You know, the Bible talks about how it's, it's like a crime to not enjoy your life pretty much, you know, like it's not a sin, but it's like God made your life to be enjoyed no matter what you're doing, you know, whether you're suffering or you're here or there like enjoy your life it's a gift from god you're alive you have this you may not have more than someone but you you have enough you know yeah. and so yeah i've wanted to explore that through the collection like i explored the love of god and the love of god collection so you know it will be explored it certainly will there's a time for everything there's a right time and the wrong time and maybe yeah the right time is yet to come uh, yeah. But that's a beautiful sort of testimony, I guess, of your faith. And yeah, I, I guess it's, I would again agree totally on the on the idea of being born again. And I think that's the idea of suffering. And what is the point of suffering? And I feel a lot of people turn away from religion because there is suffering, and they can't, you know, understand why do we suffer if God, you know, why is God doing that to us? if you know mm. if he loves us um and then the other idea is yeah to be like a child and to enter the kingdom of god we have to lower ourselves and humble ourselves and build childlike in the sense of yeah enjoying being grateful it's so simple yet so hard to do <laughs> when yeah. we are adults and um you know we are influenced by so many factors around us um mm. yeah, very very challenging i feel like i have to remind myself of both in a way on a daily basis and it's oh. never it's a continuous sort of effort 
um, mm. but it's the rewards are just the best. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's not about tossing away maturity or the things you learn as an adult, but you know, once you're you're working in all these things, you know, that's something I had to check myself on last year. It's a it's such a balance where it's like, okay, now I'm in a position where I'm able to do the type of projects I want to do, but am I still enjoying it like I did when I wasn't able able to do the things that I'm able to do now? And so it's really being mindful of just the grace on your life and again enjoying your life. Like, okay, I've I do have responsibilities and this type of stuff, but I'm going to make sure that I'm where I work on the type of projects that I started the company for, mm. you know, and just keep it in that line. And that's something I had to address last year because it was starting to feel a bit like I'm meeting too many deadlines. And I just had to draw back from that and start working on more personal projects again for that reason to um, remind myself what, what place in my heart I was creating out of and operating from. And yeah, because I really like curiosity. That's why the Love of God collection was very definitive. Like all the videos were um, like visual representations of a word like faith or eternal mm. or um, peace, because I just wanted to explore the one word love and various other words and visual representations that people could um, just like frequently look at and see as a loop. So it wasn't like so much at one time, but it was like a cascading definition of the love of God to where you have in the entire gamut of the collection, you have like maybe 12 different videos that explain what exactly God's love is in various different words. So God's love is not harsh, but it's, you know, peaceful, mm -hmm. merciful, eternal, you know, his love never fades for his people so that at any point someone could understand what the collection is about you know it's not about love is love you know because that's not really a definition like what is what is love what is god's love and so aside from the fashion i just really want people to understand what i'm talking about in this and so if i have to like spell it out then i i just spell it out literally <laughs> yeah no i think it's 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 beautiful and very useful as well to tie in the um the word of god with sustainability and all these values because i think they're very much aligned you know treat mm -hmm. the, and treat your neighbor as you wish to be treated is exactly what we're trying to fight for when we're thinking about ending i don't know modern day slavery you know it's it's exactly yeah. these principles that we should be living by and i mean just to go back to what you were saying in terms of your um your customer base it's very positive to me to hear that, you know, people, even those who don't believe in God, they're still searching for. And I think deep down inside of us, we are all searching for, for that um, protection and almost meaning, you know, to, to what we're doing um, here on earth. So yeah, no, that's very, we got really deep, <laughs> but it's very nice. <laughs> and you did sort of mention already um, a bit about your future plans and projects. Um, you know, reviving certain collections, etc. Um, do you have anything else on your radar um, apart from, yeah, also thinking about manufacturing and scaling your business? Um, man, I I don't know. I've just been learning. I last year I took a lot of time off. Probably like the second, like the last. I would say the first quarter of the year I did a lot of stuff I really changed my pace the last three quarters of the whole year I was like doing other things and just learning I just realized I had a had a knowledge gap to where how I operate and so I was looking at how I want to operate and how I operate now and I just realized I had a knowledge gap that's how that's why it was seeming foreign to me while I was kind of doing the same things or at least not getting the results I wanted and so yeah, there's different, definitely different things I'm looking out for other than manufacturing and growing the company, like, you know, having employees, because I, I have friends I work with, but I don't have anyone on payroll, you know, I just, you know, we just work off favors, like, oh, you need me this day, I need you this day, you know, we just do things like that, which is also a blessing, you know, so many people out here, you just find someone to connect with, you know, just help yeah. each other, but yeah, I think just learning, I'm just in a learning, really heavy learning season, working with people learning how 
companies operate. I collaborated with a lot of big companies last year. And that was really cool just seeing behind the scenes how things are aligned, how product different productions are set up, um, different collections are set up, how you know tech packs look on like a high level, on a low level, what kind of things, like how to think based on manufacturers and not based on my own skill set. So I was like, I could make a certain item, but like, for example, with the love of God design, I started off doing the string, like the balloon string was like, it went through so many iterations. I started with hand sewing it and I was like, oh, that's too expensive because the organic cotton thread was literally like $20 worth of thread just to, and then it's hand sewing. So outside hmm. of the cost, then it's like, I'm also hand sewing it. But if I had to pay someone, it would be like $50 to put a string in or like $30. So I'm like, that's too expensive. So then I bought rope. Then I stitched rope to it. And then I went from rope to shirts. So I had shirts folded four times. And that became the string. And then now I'm like, okay, I want to get manufactured. How do I, I could do the shirt or, so now I'm in the process of finding, um, which I have found a way to get it chain stitched. So the string would now be a chain stitch machine, which is just kind of like an old fashioned vintage embroidery in a line. So just, that's just me thinking like, what's the easiest way for me to manufacture this item, you know, instead of me making it, how can I get it manufactured? So using die cuts instead of scissors, you know, much mm -hmm. faster, you know, yeah, I've just been just having just brain exercises like that. Like, how could I get this manufactured? How could I get that done and looking at processes, looking at manufacturers, working with other companies and just making myself available, you know, just doing like apprentice type stuff. Like, oh, like, let me just join you on this project so I can, because I want to see how it works, but also just, you know, help you out, meet some more people, connect. I'm, um, I mean, I guess that really never stops, you know, it's fun anyway, so I'm, I'm glad to, to do that. But, you know, we'll get to another point down the line where I'm ready to, really launch in a, a better way but I am working on the next collection sunsets I'm currently in like just the R&D pattern design phase so I don't have a deadline on it but it has a film attached to it that mm -hmm. I had like a whole crew it was probably like a 10-person crew oh, wow. um, yeah really cool we, we shot it down in Nicholas Canyon Beach I directed it like last February like February wow. like first or fifth yeah, something like that okay yeah so really cool stuff. it's been in the works for a bit already then yeah it's it's a, it was based on a poem i wrote um i had this guy called uh lucios he's from brazil he hit me up he, he goes to the film new york film academy out here he filmed it and his classmates were the crew it was like his senior exit project and he allowed me to direct it so we use like an you do know uh, lord of the rings yes yeah it's the same camera from lord of the rings we oh, wow. it was like Ari, Ari film camera, huge, like metal 50 pound cameras. Yeah. It's like, you have to carry a battery pack around with it. It's like vintage from the nineties. It's wow. yeah. Really cool stuff. So yeah. So that, so that, that project is actually done. Like I edited, it, like I'll probably like touch up the color grading a bit, but there's a voiceover. I'm reading the poem that's going to go with it. And then there's just some other stores I'm in contact with right now. So I can get product in there. So I'm also working on getting in other stores as well. Mm -hmm. That is one thing that I'm expanding in. So this is it's a lot. Like it's a, it's a lot of different things. It's a very multidimensional uh, reality we're living in, and it's great you're sort of tapping into all forms of it and uh, taking the best out of it and learning along the way. I feel like entrepreneurship is a learning period and curve. It's like a constant. Yeah trial and error and um personally i feel like i've evolved so much by running a business besides the business evolving but i value that learning um opportunity very much um so yeah good luck with all of it <laughs> i'll be hey, my you <laughs> thank you open for everything that's coming and i guess to wrap up um where can we find you? How can people find you? Where can they buy things like that? Is they can they can contact me on my website for like DM. I'm not like DMs, or they can DM me for like custom orders. Uh, if you go to chqc. Uh, dot co, because I I bought the dot co domain, I couldn't buy the dot com. 
at least at the moment. Or if they go to the .com is chiqcbrand.com. So chiqcbrand.com or chiqc.co, you know, contact page. Or if if they happen to catch a drop, you know, because I do limited drops, um, sometimes they can find that on the website. Or the Instagram, chi.qc. Um, it's spelled, which is spelled differently from the name, you know, as a dot instead of a space. But, and then my personal is my human page is 360 chi with two eyes and then the youtube is chi qc i mean there's so many platforms but yeah if you just go to my personal you'll find all of them like (laughs) no i'll make sure to link them as well into the description of this episode whatever format it will be (laughs) Um, (laughs) um but yeah i guess there was a bit of a space reserved for words of wisdom I have one from this conversation and it's God is very tasteful. God is a designer. And I think that just wraps up the whole conversation really well um, in terms of fashion, but in life, generally speaking as well. I love that. I could get that on my wall, printed and put on my wall. <laughs> so I love it. I don't know if you have anything final to add to this Um yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And also just say that God is open and willing. You know, that's the the point of the company. You know, I I just believe that every garment, video and photo is a seed sown. So, you know, it's it's a easy thing for me to practice. You know, okay, I'm, I don't care about the views. I don't care about this. It's just a matter of getting it out. You know, the Lord will put it in front of the people that he desires to. And yeah, it's just a it's just a means for someone to know who God is and that they could they could know God and at the end be just be saved. You know, that's because all this is gonna burn at the end. Like the world's gonna end at a certain day, whether someone believes it's the sun exploding or like the Lord is gonna wrap all this up at a certain day. And I'm not gonna have clothes to show myself or like the videos I made, it's gonna, but it's gonna be like my soul and the things I did in my heart towards other people, towards him, the relationship I had with him and so yeah they might buy it it's not going to exist on that day but if it can help them understand who he is a little bit more then it's done beyond like that like how do you say that temporary piece of clothing has done its eternal duty in a way so uh, yeah if anyone's listening to this podcast or recording that's the purpose of the podcast and the brand Mm. it's not about anything other than that and yeah like it's a means for me to feed myself and and an express an outlet for my artistic expression but that's the the core of it okay then on that note i will wrap up and i will say thank you for joining me and expressing my gratitude for you being here as my first guest <laughs> on on. <laughs> i could not have um, chosen a better one so i'm very happy and um, but yeah thank you I hope everyone else is having a good time and enjoying life with God in it. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right, Olga. Peace.